Hello, and welcome to today's episode. It's Matt Weaver with Bible Truth Project, and I am excited to uh, talk to you today about some things that have been going through my mind the last week and a half uh, since I had pub- published the last episode. So today I'm going to focus more on um, some things that I've been reading. Again, uh, I've been going through some of Joel Richardson's books. I've not gone through all of them, but I went through another one now since the since the last episode. And again, it's some really good thought-provoking things um, that I'm just going to speak about briefly, and then and then see where we see where we go from there. So the question, uh, the book that I've been reading last is well, let me just look here. I'm not even 100% sure what it was called. Uh, the Islamic Antichrist. Um, other ones that I have gone through was his Mystery Babylon, uh, When a Jew Rules the World and Mystery Babylon. So the last one I don't that I don't have finished yet is the Mideast Beast. But in all of these books, I've been impressed with his his balance in in our responsibility as believers. A lot of times what people with eschatology, as he even points out, there's a lot of weirdos and 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 just strange people who are into this stuff who really get kind of a high off of it. And uh, that's not really his response or responsibility as, as he sees it. He sees it as God has has um, has called him, if you will, to warn the church about what is going to happen based in the Bible and at least present some some options. My thoughts on the matter of this. I mean, if we look at look at the world of Islam, uh, I've been to Islamic countries. I've been to Jordan several times. Um, I've not been to others, I guess, but I've been to Jordan several times. And what you're faced with often is is th- is that they you know they are peaceful people for the most part. You have people that just want to live their lives and want to raise their families and you know enjoy the the benefits that life affords us. Um, even even though they may have an ideology that is um, not so peaceful, if you will. I don't you know. And I know there's there's Muslims who would be very offended in the idea that they believe in a violent form of Islam. But the reality is, and this is what Joel brings out, I believe, masterfully, is if we really look at, and, and this is, I've, I've got from other sources, um, there was, there's some other Islam, uh, former is, uh, Muslims who who have converted, who, who really lend insight into the, the mindset and the thinking. And, you know, the thing that is that is probably more prevalent prevalent if we can say it you know is that it is supposed to be a piece of religion as long as people submit because islam is about submitting you know they believe the world will submit one way or the other so any peace deal any agreement anything like that that is done it's just proving that Islam is is the, the religion because you know everyone's submitting a lot of it's because people live in fear or whatever and you know we're trying to deal with this this ideology and and Joel exposes some things that I'm sure that people are very unhappy with uh from the Islamic community because because it's their history and the history is not as beautiful and clear now to be fair Christian history has not been that great either but the difference is our our rabbi our messiah Jesus was not a violent person. He was a very peaceful person. He never did uh, violence or things like that. Um, and he's even revered amongst Muslims. But there's, there's, 
there's just a huge difference in the history and backstory of um, Christianity in that in that fact. I mean, Judaism, you know, God that God had asked them to do some things that were violent, you know, taking the enemies and killing them and things like that. But there was there was reasons for it. But but it's you know, and and really in reality, what happened in the Old Testament, what happened, what happens in Islam, is not that drastically different. Uh, as far as okay, the violent factor, but there was a different culture, it was a different world, it was a different idea. People were it was kill or be killed. It was it was some, just a much different situation. Um, God is not for killing. It's obvious because that's one of His Ten Commandments: Thou shalt not kill. But there was there must have been scenarios where it was necessary. But anyway, coming back to 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 the content uh, of the books, um, several things, you know, interesting. It just is. It's interesting. I think he does a really good job of exposing, um, exposing some things that are, you know, trying to subvert and slowly creep in. And just as, just as Christians are passionate about the gospel and reaching out and winning souls, you know, so are Islamists. They are very passionate about, uh, spreading Islam and and in their mind everybody is going to convert. Well, in in our mind, everyone is going to bow to Jesus. That's just the way it is. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord. That He is Adonai. And that is the reality we understand. You know, to them because of their scriptures, they understand the world's going to submit. And so ultimately, what we have is this rising conflict, this clash. And this is something my dad spoke of many years ago. He said, based on the Bible, based upon what he sees, that the final battle is going to be, be between Isaac and Ishmael, because these are the two sons. And that has been, uh, I mean, this was, this was many years, this was in the 90s, before you really heard a whole lot of Islamic terrorism and things like that, um, and before the modern wars. But, but, but now, looking at it, makes so much more sense, and it, it is exactly right. The final battle uh, would appear to be between Isaac and Ishmael. And, uh, you know, not saying that Ishmael created Islam, but uh, it is amongst the Arabs. It started in amongst the Arabs, which are Ishmael's descendants. So there's, there's, a, there's a clash of promise. There's a... And this is this is the spiritual thing that's happening. Look, we don't let wrestle with flesh and blood. We're wrestling with principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. And this is the reality of what's going on in the world today. This is this is why Jerusalem is the center uh, of it all. This is why it's the point of contention. This is why it's the stumbling block of the nations. This is why it is it is just this this problem that doesn't go away because there's a war of promise. The end of it is God's clear and defined demonstration of who his son is and clear uh, direction. I think ultimately what is going, what is happening in the world, okay, you look from the beginning, you look from Adam, the fall, you know, the promises now that God has led us into, the prophets, you know, the covenants that he's led us into, I should say, and then the promises with the covenants. And now we arrive um, 
towards the back end of the story. I don't know specific dates. I'm not one to put dates out there because I believe everyone who, who invariably puts dates out there fails. Because God, God's ultimately, he's controlling uh, this process. But we often ask the question, you know, why does he tarry? Why does Jesus tarry? Well, it says that the Father is patient, not, not wanting any to perish. And I think as long as that there, long as Christianity has momentum, as long as there's opportunity for for souls to get into the kingdom, we'll see a continuance. But I think once that is done, the Bible says, when the fullness of Gentiles has come. And I don't know that there's a set time limit on that per se. I mean, look, the disciples, many of them felt Jesus was coming back in their generation, but but then in the end, they kind of concluded that a day is as a thousand years to the Lord. So if he decides to tarry, he can tarry. Um, and I think this is what's happening. It's it's the waiting on the fullness of the Gentiles, and the reality has revival has continued to build in, in the Gentiles, and has continued and continued and continued and continued. Meanwhile, you know, a remnant of the Jewish people have survived. It's not been that much. You think of the course of history, people who are Jewish, uh, today there's, what, approximately 14 or 15 million in the world, 7 million which live in Israel. There's really not a, in, uh, a crazy amount of, uh, mainly due to cause of all the different persecutions they've endured. So uh, it's kind of, it's sad. I mean, I think in, in population, if we look at the DNA evidence, a lot of people do have Jewish uh, DNA. But as far as practicing uh, recognized Jews of today, you know, there's there's really not that many. So, you know, what, what does this mean? What does this mean for us? How, how, does, how does this affect us? You know, what is our responsibility? It's obvious that with a people group as small as uh, the Jews, I mean, the Jewish nation is a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. It's a divine intervention. Um, And it signals that the time is nearer at hand than what it was before because there's the fulfillment of the, uh, the fulfillment of the fall feasts and different prophecies and relating to his return cannot really happen unless Israel's on the land. So after 2,000 years, they're back, and we live in a time where we start to see things shaping up. We just simply do. 20 years ago, it didn't have this type of a look. 100 years ago, it didn't have this kind of a look. We were living in a time where the biggest problem that most nations are facing uh, in the line of of national issue is Islamic terrorism. Uh, This is extreme ideology. And yeah, the moderates are probably not the ones we have to worry about. Uh, And they're just wanting to live their life and do their thing. But again, my issue is not with Muslims, the individuals. I met met, uh, kind-hearted Muslims in Israel and Jordan, who who are very, very nice people, uh, who have treated us very nicely. But uh, it is with the religion, Islam. I mean, obviously, I'm a Christian, so I don't believe Islam is the truth. I know that's offensive to them, but quite frankly, they offend me too when they call Christianity a lie, and that it's perverted, and that it's false. And it also offends me when they say that Jesus is not the Son of God. But the reality of Christianity is that we don't need to defend it from that standpoint, because we know one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And our place is not to be that defense. In Islam, they are the defense. So when somebody blasphemes, 
you know, they are, they take their own responsibility to take care of it. And that's, there's a huge difference in that, but you know, they'll do whatever they take. They have no conscience against suing or, or attacking or, or doing whatever it takes to, to, uh, deal with it. And so we have to be wise as Christians, what we say and do. Um, but ultimately we know it's at the end, even the defense to the Jewish people who say he's not the Messiah, according to, according to what we read, um, there will be a recognition of who Jesus is. And there will be a time when they will recognize, uh, they will recognize him and they will recognize who they have pierced. And it says it in the old, in the uh, first Testament, old Testament. So let's, let's keep that in mind. I mean, we live in times where it's, it's difficult at times to reconcile. I mean, I know people that have gone over to help refugees um, who are fleeing the Islamic countries because of the violence and the terror. And I think it's a great opportunity to reach out with love to those people and show them that uh, Yeshua is a God of love and he loves us. And that is why he died for us so that we can, we can experience his love. Uh, and yes, he did die. You know, Islamic teaching is that Jesus or Isa did not die. It was, you know, that was not, it was staged. They faked it. But he died. The Bible says that any spirit that says that Jesus did not come in the flesh is not of him. And he came, he came in the flesh as a man, yet he was God. It's not three gods. It's one God in three manifestations, in three parts. Uh, and there's a huge, huge anti-spirit that deals with that, even in, in Christianity. There's groups who fight the idea that God is in three. Um, they, they think it makes just, they, they think it's three gods by doing it. No, absolutely not. It's one God, three parts. And that is made the clearest when Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist in the river. The Father spoke from heaven. At the same time, the Spirit was seen descending as a dove upon the Son of God who was on earth. And right before the eyes of the world was three parts, yet one. And that, that is ultimately the greatest challenge that I've put out to people who believe that way. And they, they avoid that issue. They cannot explain it. It's because it's the way it is. We don't worship three, uh, three gods. We worship one God who has three, if you will, personalities or persons uh, or, or, or manifestations, you could call it. Um, because that is, that is a very strategic and significant thing. Uh, in Islam, that's a huge, uh, a huge problem. And even in Judaism, to a degree, it's a problem. However, when, when, uh, Jewish people accept Jesus, they very quickly see into it. It's not a problem for them, but from Judaism standpoint, it's an issue. So these are things we, we have to consider. What is happening? What is shaping up? What is going on in the world? What do we see? Are we going to continue fighting uh, Islamic terrorism? Are we going to continue? What is, what, is going, you know, what is going to be the end of it? I think in America, the biggest thing that we fight and see and, and are scared of is secularism. You know, we, we think it's the Hollywood. We think it's, it's music. It's, you know, Nashville. It's, and it's Paris influence on fashion. Um, we, we have focused on that for so long as being uh, the greatest thing that we will face is the rise of secularism, just this flood of secularism that wants to consume the world 
or consume the church. And it has. There's no question it has. But I think, honestly, the greatest uh, fight that we will probably have, if, if, if we do, maybe it won't be, I don't know. But the greatest fight we have is um, going to be perhaps against the alt, against uh, the other son of Abraham uh, and 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 Islam as far as Christianity it's going to be the biggest spiritual fight that we will face um, it's all satanic let's put it that way it's a satanic system um, designed designed to to be antichrist and so it's not the only thing okay the enemy is spewing out everything he has because he knows his time is near and he is he is flooding it out into the world for uh for the hope that he can that he can uh drown the bride but as as it says in revelation when this flood spews out it says the earth will open and it'll swallow it so we must know that for a time perhaps you know we will endure greater uh tribulation than what we have in times past um i don't know that there I don't understand the Bible to say a great tribulation. I, I understand the Bible to say great tribulation. There will be a time pressure will just increase. It will just become a far more difficult, sensitive, and, and dangerous to be a believer. And uh, we enter a period of greater tribulation and trouble. Um, some people call it the great tribulation, or some people call it Jacob's the time of Jacob's trouble. Um, it could be, I'm not saying it isn't, but you know, a lot of, a lot of the ideas that goes with that is the church will get raptured and all that stuff. And I personally don't believe it. I, I don't believe the church will be raptured, but that's another, that's another discussion. I don't believe it's scriptural. Uh, the rapture has only been part of Christian theology for the last a hundred, a little over a hundred years, you know, for the first 18, 1900 years of Christianity, there was no mention or talk or discussion of rapture. So we have to understand, I mean, if, it, if it's true, wonderful. It's awesome. We get to get out before it gets ugly. But I don't, I don't think that's the case. Um, but what is their response? What is their place? You know, I think what happens is that as we perceive and recognize that the time is near, our automatic response as true believers is to, to purify ourselves, to cleanse ourselves, to to focus on what's important, to do the work of the Lord with urgency, and to uh, recognize that we are his members on earth, and we are his, if you will, fingers, hands, feet, whatever, and, and we will need to do the work of the Lord. And I think whatever we do, we do it with all of our hearts, knowing that the time is short. I think, personally, I do, I, I do think that there is something to times and I think we're approaching, I think we're, what, 250 years away from the seventh millennium on earth. And seven has always been a significant number to God. You know, and will it be the, will it be the start of a, uh, could be a millennial reign, could be a, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of symbology that could go with it. The millennial reign of Christ or a season of rest for the earth, seven, uh, for a thousand years of rest. I don't know. We will see. As it happens, the Bible indicates some things, but we are human and we can misunderstand. Let's just not miss what's going on in front of us. And I believe uh, authors like this do us a great service because we we can see that there's other things at work. Now, if you have to remember, that's the enemy's agenda. 
But the Lord has his own agenda, and that is what we need to pray about. We need to be very strategic in our prayer that God would do his work. Um, one of the testimonies I heard speaking to somebody from Germany in Israel uh, last year was that you know the German church has really been growing quite a bit. What there were empty churches that are now full of of, of converts because they're they're hearing the gospel for the first time in uh, their country. And I think this is an opportunity we have, and it's part of I think fulfillment of the prophecy that the earth will swallow them. Uh, is they're not they they're being spewed out as in a way that is supposed to be evil, but God is going to also use that for good. And that is a testimony I know is happening all across the world. Look at Iran. I mean, there's people converting in the millions to Christianity all under the guise of, I mean, it's all secret. But the Islamic world is definitely a battleground. Uh, one another author I read some time ago, you know, even said that there's people um, who have been converted, who go to Mecca to literally to go to the Kaaba, go around uh, the Grand Mosque, and to just be there and intercede that God would, would reveal himself, uh, that Jesus would reveal himself to the people as being uh, God and Lord and Savior. And so, uh, tremendous happenings, tremendous ponderings. I mean, we live in a very intense time. We live in an exciting time, but it's an intense time. We have been given tools as people by which we can communicate all over the world in a, in a moment's notice. And uh, this is important, I believe, for the fulfillment uh, of what God is wanting to do in this day. So be diligent, study the Word of God, and consider what is happening in the world today and how it affects you and what your responsibility is as a believer. Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine on you and give you His peace.